This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile house plants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Without Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pat him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning. Good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Man Cave Command Center. In the Mellonall studio in the piney woods of north central Florida. By golly, we apologize for not being available to you yesterday, but we are back here today and uh, we promise we'll have a few interruptions uh, that uh, we can control anyway. And uh, we're glad to have you back with us. I'm seeing some friends checking on and some fans. Uh, had quite a discussion here for you today uh, that um, really gets under, on my, it gets under my skin, it gets on my bad side. Uh, every time I hear the county commission lie, uh, which they're doing uh, big time, I, I'm going to take them to get. I'm going to take them to task personally, since they stuck their own head up out of the foxhole. Uh, we're talking primarily about an event that took yesterday took place yesterday, um, wherein the uh, delegation from our area, which consists of a representative and a senator and another representative, a couple other representatives. Um, met with the local uh, yokels, so to speak, to inform the local yokels that um, the patience of the people in Lodgeville County had expired and that uh, they, the delegation, had heard their frustration loud and clear and were going to take to the Florida legislature a proposal which the Lodgeville County Commission has never allowed to even be discussed on uh, the, the in, in locally in an official way, because of course they're afraid to lose their power. Um, just to let you know what these commissioners make, it's a part-time job. They get benefits, even get a parking space, uh, but they make over eighty thousand dollars a year, my friends. So those of you who are out there, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, um, you know, paying the bills, paying the taxes. Uh, you are being told where to sit um, by guys, uh, women and men uh, who are the county commissioners who come from one political base, um, who make over 80000 a year for a part-time job, uh, and, uh, and you don't have anything to say about it. Oh, in their minds you do, but I'm going to show you why that is truncated. It's not entirely true. It's disingenuous, and at uh, least it's uh, kind of naive, but I don't think that's the case. It's very sophisticatedly misleading. So um, we had a delegation meeting yesterday in which Clemens has, uh, Chuck Clemens, the representative from this area, has uh, proposed that there be on the ballot, which the legislature can do, and there's several ways something can get on the ballot, all of which, as I say, have been deliberately stopped here locally, which is the reason this is going to the legislature, uh, for the people to vote on whether they want single member districts or not. Now, let me give you a little history about this. 
I've been involved in it quite a bit as chair of the Rural Concerns Advisory Committee for over 10 years, which I'm no longer the chair, no longer the committee. I served my time in public service with that group. And um, I, 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 want, I harken back, I did some research here for you, uh, to harken back to what I've written and uh, stated publicly about the, uh, this whole uh, lie about a Charter Review Commission. There, um, you know, there are a couple of ways that a charter, three ways really, that something can be placed on the ballot. Um, the commissioners can place it on there, which they do with their environmental issues or wet places or wild spaces. I don't know what it's called. Uh, they put that on the ballot themselves by a simple majority vote. Uh, they could do that with single member districts, but they won't do it. So to keep themselves from being held uh, accountable for that, every 10 years, they have a charter review committee, uh, which basically um, they appoint their surrogates to, to that committee. And um, I'm going to go through with you an article at the Gainesville Sun published January 15, 2020, if you want to go back and read this article. Um, I don't think we've got this article posted in Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. Uh, if we don't, we will post it. Um, and and uh, there are, uh, it, you know, it is, it is public record. It's out there in the print. So this is what I wrote. And uh, 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 in response to something that the Sun has pu had published January 4th. Uh, and, a, and I'm just going to go through it with you to give you the background. This is government. People, you know, I hear people, oh, they yap as if they know what they're talking about. And they're always talking about government at a national level, usually, because that's where they're getting their news. They're never really sophisticated to know about the local stuff. If you stop, if you check these people out on Facebook, uh, uh, several come to mind right now who are always posting and saying things about, oh, Biden this or Trump that. They really don't know who their county commissioners are even. Uh, and yet they're ready to tell you how politics works. I'm going to go through this and show you how politics works. Now, in a Sun article that the Sun published January 4th, um, the Elantra County Review Commission Vice Chairman Joe Little. Now, let me just talk about Joe Little. He shouldn't be on this committee, in my opinion. He's a law professor. He's a screaming liberal. He's been put on there to block single member districts. He's blocked it now twice. He was put on 10 years ago in 2010, and he blocked it then in a seven to six vote and in 2020. And the other thing that is so irritating is how much on their knees the rest of the commissioners are when they say, oh, why, Professor Little, and uh, they uh, pontificate, oh, they defer, and they're also deferential, and oh, Professor Little, that guy's not a regular guy. A charter commission should be made up of regular, so to speak, unattached objective people, but they're not. You got but somebody like Amando Grundy on there? That dude is looking for a place to get some notoriety. He'll use anything to try to make himself important. He doesn't, he can't think his way out of a wet paper box, but they put people like that on there. Um, the Robins, the, 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 
loose wire they put on there from Alachua, who didn't even have an Alachua residence. They had a post office box. We ran her out of Alachua for being wackadoo. So she's on the, you know, what I'm saying is you've got people who are not there to think for themselves, who are not there to hear the evidence. Penny Wheat chaired it this last time. She is the biggest liberal in the history of the world. Um, you know, you don't have a, you don't have any chance of getting getting anything done that would challenge their eighty two thousand dollars a year. So Joe Little said uh, rather sarcastically, I will say uh, that the Charter Review Committee can almost always count on hearing many suggestions from residents arguing for the county to switch from at large elected commissioners to single member districts. That's right. So if you hear it. Why don't you put it on the ballot and let the people decide? This is the problem. They're not, the, the, the Charter Review is not voting on single member districts. It's only voting to allow the people to vote. Now, here is uh, why, and I wrote it in the article. If you don't think this commission isn't Alachua County centric, which is to say Gainesville centric, all right? Of the 33 Alachua County residents who put their names in the hat, you put your name in the hat to be on the Charter Review Commission. I put my name on the hat in 2020. I would have been eminently qualified to be on. Didn't even get an answer. Didn't, and I didn't go around and kiss any commissioner's butt and ask him to put me on there. I didn't care about that. If you want to get somebody who will look at the thing objectively, I put my name in the hat. They didn't even give me the courtesy of an answer. So of the 33 county residents in 2020 uh, who put their names in the hat, 24 of them now, 24 out of 33, listed Gainesville as their residences. Three claim Newberry, one each High Springs, the other uh, the city of Alachua, Micanopy, and Waldo, and curiously one from Williston, which is not even in this county. And another in a sketchy application lists only a post office box. No city. So here's the, here's the numbers. Of the 12 selected, there were 12 people selected to be on the committee. Nine identified with Gainesville. The other three with the city of Alachua, Micanopy, and one the mysterious post office box. Tamara Robbins. Okay. So here we go. You might say, as I said in the article, so what? Well, this, this demonstrates a basic divide between the rural and the urban. All of these commissioners are from the urban core or have addresses or associate with or live in the urban. They don't live in the countryside. The countryside has no representation. Just to give you an example how tone deaf the commissioner had been until I called their attention to it. The Alachua County Commissions had not been broadcast, uh, they broadcast on cable, but the rural residents were never able to see that because there was no cable in the rural areas of the county. The commissioners didn't even know that until I called their attention to it. I mean, come on. That's just one little thing. So the county thought they fixed the problem by streaming the commissions on the internet and commissioner meetings, but a lot of people in the countryside 
are served solely by satellite television because cable is largely unavailable. So by streaming it on the internet, it meant nothing to them. Channel 12 meant nothing to them. That's Cox Cable. You get the picture here. You get the picture, what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who are, you're always, they're always talking about, they're always criticizing people for not being empathetic. Oh, uh, they're not, you know, you ought to look, you're walking the other people's shoes, this, that, one, you know. They're not walking in anybody else's shoes. Now, let me show you how the other organizations for the Alachua County Commission are organized, all right? These people on the commission are griping because they don't want a commissioner to represent a particular area. Now, people think they already do because there's such a thing as districts. Nobody is, you know, everybody votes on Mike Barley. Everybody votes on uh, the thin-skinned water boy, Cornell. It's not, and, and let me tell you where the real rub is. The rub is in the primary. But I'll get to that in a minute. On the Alachua County website, there, there are 17 advisory boards listed. Uh, all of those advisory committees have applicants from various occupations deliberately. These are categories for diversity and inclusion, which you don't have on the Alachua County Commission. So even in the Rural Concerns Committee, which I was the chair of, here were our divisions. We had to have two residents from the unincorporated area outside the urban cluster designated in the Alachua County Comprehensive Plan. You don't think that isn't specific? We had to have a Farm Bureau member, an IFAS representative. We had to have two at-large members, we had to have three active in agriculture or silviculture and one from the agricultural extension office. So we had, we were by, by decree, by mandate, what was good for the goose was not good for the gander. The county commission wants its advisory committees to have a diversity and inclusion of these very various categories, but not them, not them. So, now, and if you look at the Florida Association of Counties website, there are 20 Florida counties that have charters, but not all have review commissions that meet every 10 years. Some meet more frequently. That's another thing they could do here. Some stipulate a diversity of demographics in their criteria for participation. So if the Charter Review Committee Commission uh, wanted to set it up so that it's composition mirrored that of its advisory committees, it could be set up so that membership would not be Gainesville-centric. Now, I guarantee you, none of you out there knew this. This is why you listen to the Ward Scott Files, to learn something. None of you know this. You don't dig this deeply. You don't think this deeply about what affects you. So here's the way, since the, the Lodgeville County Commission won't put Single-member districts, here are the other ways you could do it. The Alachua County Commission, of course, could place the proposal on the ballot themselves. They're not going to do that. They've got $82,000 a year jobs for part-time work. Now, the citizens could use the citizen initiative process. This is a difficult, expensive, time-consuming task. Believe me, it is difficult. 
deliberately difficult to keep citizens from being able to do it whimsically. But the intended method for the public every 10 years in this county is to make the proposal through the Charter Review Commission. But the Charter Review Commission has to have to agree in a majority decision in order to place the thing on the ballot so the people could decide. Oh boy, yeah, oh boy. Now, the change in membership, by the way, of the Charter Review Commission could not take place for another 10 years because the Charter Review Commission doesn't meet for 10 years. We're, so we're talking about, are you listening to me, students? We're talking about 30 years. And you wonder why the people are frustrated. All they want to do is to be able to talk about it and vote on it without being censored by the thin-skinned water boy who wrote the most ridiculous, idiotic letter that Jennifer Cabrera has out on lots of Chronicle that I've ever read a human being make. In his letter, he says that the motive for Clemens putting this forward is so that it can be changed so that Clemens can become a county commissioner. Are you kidding me? Clemens has already been a county commissioner. And by the way, he was elected as a Democrat and while he was on the dais, switched to the Republican Party. Pretty good, because he could never have been elected as a Republican. He has no interest in doing that. Where does, where does Cornball Cornell get this from? I mean, really, where is out of his fevered, turbulent gray matter? Where does this come from? I, I don't know. I, I have no idea how you can come up with that. Now, you know, I also, a while back, we lost some of the independence of the various cities to the Alachua County Growth Management Area Charter Amendment. And we lost it because of a lazy mayor in Alachua who did not help distribute a hundred signs left on his trailer in his yard that would have made a difference because it only, it only failed by 265 votes. Each sign resulted in 15 positive votes for the charter. So 100 times 15 is uh, more than enough to change the 265, okay? Now, why do these citizens in the countryside vote against this amendment? They didn't vote against it because the language is unclear. Uh, the, no, the issue was not about urban sprawl. The issue, once again, is about representation. Um, why should the opinions I wrote, and this was in 9 December 2020, why should the opinions of 47 duly elected city commissioners about how their respective municipalities want to grow be overridden by five county commissioners who don't necessarily even live in those municipalities? Uh, this charter amendment did pass, okay? This charter amendment was placed on the ballot. Well, why did they place this one on the ballot and not single member districts? Do you have any gray matter up there, students? Can you figure this out? Can you figure this out? Furthermore, 
The county used taxpayer money. Oh, they say claim they don't. Uh, uh, to set up a surrogate charter review committee, complete with its own attorney, and conceived and borne by the Gainesville-centric representatives who couldn't care less about rural interests. That's the charter review committee. It's set up with county money. County, everybody in the county paid to have their own noose tied to hang, for them to be hanged by the county government. And if they wanted to fight this initiative, which we did, we had to spend our own money in an attempt to inform the public about what was at stake. So the citizens, in effect, had to dig into their pockets twice. First, taxpayer money uh, fought the, the, the citizens, and then to fight the taxpayer money being used by the county, the, the citizens had to come up with money again. Now, uh, it took a, a budget of almost $100,000 to get it done right. And, and that was tough to get and was never reached. So, um, you know, I am very irritated that it lost that closely. And I know exactly where to put the blame. And I never will forget that. I'll never forgive that. Uh, This is what you're up against. Now, on top of that, we have a goofball Commissioner Cornell write an insulting letter claiming that this is all a ruse for Clemens to be reelected, that um, they really listen to the county, and boy, they really care about what the county people think. And he points to the IFAS Center in Newberry. Let me tell you how the IFAS Center came to be in Newberry. Yours truly was chair of the Rural Concerns. I had to push Lee Pinkison. Weathervane Lee, who was always afraid to get in the water, he'd stick his toe in, but he wouldn't get in himself. I had to push him to have a special meeting in July so we could bring the advisory committees and we could make a motion and we could bring this argument about whether to put the IFAS agricultural fairgrounds in East Gainesville, which was stupid, or put it over Newberry, which made sense. And the Rural Concerns Committee met with a quorum. We made the motion. I saw to it that the whole committee was there. I saw to it that we made a motion, and it passed unanimously. And that gave Lee Pinkinson the cover to move it to Newberry. Because after all, how is Lee on the committee? He's really a Republican. Well, sort of. But he claims to be a Democrat in order to get elected. Now, Cornell says to me in a message privately to me, which I'll share with you, um, because it wasn't really private, that I'm living proof that a Republican can get elected to the county commission implied in his comment to me is on a regular basis. No, no, those were special circumstances. And the reason we got a Republican elected to the county commission was because the sheriff, Sadie Darnell, came out and publicly supported with all her base, the candidate, okay? Susan Baer. 
That only happens in the universe of Alachua County. I don't know if ever it happened. And it only happens when you have a Ward Scott to do the deal. And there ain't no more Ward Scotts. I got clues, clues for you. There ain't no more. Okay? I just say that as a matter of factly because a lot of these things depend upon interpersonal relationships with people built up over the years who won't betray you. And that's really rare in politics. There is no real loyalty in politics because everybody's scrambling for power and everybody will use whatever he or she needs to get power and keep it. We know that. So the thin-skinned water boy, I used to also call him Mini Mike because he would watch what Mike Barley would do and then mimic it. The thin-skinned water boy actually tried to prevent me from being a reappointed to the Rural Concerns Advisory Committee. I mean, it was amazing. It's all public. You can see it out there. It's amazing. Why prevent me? Because I was what? A thorn in the side. The county commission does not want a thorn in the side. It's not quite as bad as the city commission, which is really bad. The city commission is run by people from who escaped from the loony bin. That's the only thing you can figure. There is nothing there of substance and wisdom and uh, leadership ability. So keep your eye on this issue of single member district because it's a weather, it's a, it's a canary in the mine shaft, as they say. You will know, and listen, I predict it will get on the ballot. I predict it will be five, Commissioners instead of seven, because seven would re repeat the nightmare of the city of Gainesville. You don't want that. And seven would actually diminish voices. You have to divide it up by a greater number. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense if you're trying to increase voices. And it's really not about party. They tried to say it's about Republican and Democrat. It's about rural and urban. So uh, that's why Springs County has come into conversation because the Western side of the county is really where the flight is to uh, a more sensible way of life. Out in the pasture lands, uh, it's sad. I don't like to see it. I don't like Oakmont, for example, because it was once clear pasture, but there it is. I don't like Jonesville now um, the way it is. Uh, but that's the way it is. So you're going to continue to see it, and that's the way it's going to go. So when this battle heats up to the next level and this goes out on the ballot, be prepared for the county commission to spread more misinformation and more yakety yak and more smokescreen and more camouflage about this than you have ever, ever heard in the history of your little lifetime around here. If you think that the school board is a mess right now, which it is, you wait till this gets on the ballot. And I applaud Clemens and Perry uh, for spearheading this thing. The only time in my life I ever agreed with Yvonne Hinson, who I guess used to, is no longer Yvonne Hinson Walls, who was a city commissioner. The only time I've ever agreed with her about anything 
is when she said, don't do seven, you'll have the same mess you have in Gainesville. And then she, of course, turns around and votes against the proposition, which is, let me tell you about the blacks and representative in government. There would be no blacks on government in Alachua County if it were not for single member districts. The first example was single member districts for the single city of Gainesville and they elected, my God, won't go there, Rodney Long. Rodney, too long, long. They elected him. That's how they got started. And if there were single member districts on the Alachua County Commission, you would be guaranteed forever a black representative, forever, because there would be a district that would draw largely from that base. The other thing that really is not talked about here is the fact that we have closed primaries. That's where the culprit really is. And this, let me use myself as an example. I ran against Barley in 19, I don't know what it was now, 2002, 2004, somewhere in there, I guess 2004, as a Democrat, as a conservative Democrat, as an old, I mean, that's basically, I'm a, I'm, I'm a middle guy. I'm not an extremist. I'm not there out on the right with those people. I'm not there out on the left with those people. And, you know, I'm a professor. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to launch off into some intractable position that the Constitution has to be absolutely the basis by which, no, no, I understand. No, I'm not going to go to that group. And I'm not going over to the other group that says there is no Constitution. I'm going to the group where things like this come up, where uh, charter amendments and local governments and things like that, and the wording and what gets on the back. That's where I'm. That's where I apply my critical thinking skills. Okay, so this was my nature when a lot of people encouraged me to run against Byron. So I'm running against an environmental tree hugger. Mike Byerly, as a conservative educator who has worked with Senator Graham and all the powerful people in the Democrat Party in the state of Florida, had the total support of the black community, had Evelyn Fox on my side, bless her heart, I still can't, you know, I'm still like Evelyn. She, she and I marched many a street together, walked many a street together, have many friends there, and got beat because the Republicans that year did not want to put up anybody against me. They wanted to vote for me. Because here was a man who they could talk to. Here was a man the blacks could talk to. Here was a man the, the, the builders could talk to. I mean, I mean, even the environmentalists could talk to me. But that's not the way politics works. It's labels. So what do they do? A goofball from out in Archer rounds up some guy with a phony address who comes in as a write-in. And the write-in at the last second closes the primary so the Republicans can't vote. And let's take away the labels. Let's just say that thinking can, people who want to build bridges rather than build divides are blocked from the process. Cornball Cornell never brings this up. Never brings this up. 
I guess because you can't think that deeply about it. The rub is at the closed primary level because the Democrat Party is not going to allow anybody in that race at the primary level who does not kiss the ring of the party chair. That's the way it works. So I lost to Barley. And after that, I said, to hell with the Democrat Party, I'm getting out of it. And that's what I did. But you can't really get out of parties. You can't run as an independent. You can't run as a right. You've got to have a base behind you. But the way we mitigate the base influence is that we diversify it and we spread it around and five single member districts would do that. Right now, you have all Democrats on the Lachua County Commission. You will forever have all Democrats, forever, under the present configuration. You have all Democrats on the city of Gainesville Commission. You will forever. Some of the smaller communities, they're still working away at truly being representative because their government is very close to the people they govern. The farther away the people get from whom they govern, the worse it gets. Now, bear in mind how insulting it is to have a guy who's making $82,000 as a part-timer telling you what to do in a municipality he doesn't live in. If you have any questions, you can get me at 352-325-3938 or put them on the Facebook chat here. Um, and I'm looking, I'll check them out as we take a break. We're going to take a break from it on the Ward Scott Files. Thank you. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, R&R Construction, Gators Dockside, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.awardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. Skin water boy and Cornell, known as Minnie Mike and Cornell, wears elevator shoes and Cornell. He just wants to be like.
Oh, we just had to pull that out. We had to pull that out. Man, I tell you what. I want to thank my good buddy Jonathan, from whom I haven't heard in a long time, for making those when we were on the radio. And uh, that, that is really quite a, that's quite a thing. We got a bunch of that stuff we might pull out of the Dusty Hopper here and play for you from time to time. Um, I shoot, that's probably almost worth hearing again. Uh, run that one more time. I'm having a lot of fun hearing that again. We got to run it one more time for you, sisters. Ken Cornell, known as the thin-skinned water boy. Ken Cornell, known as Minnie Mike. Ken Cornell, wears elevator shoes. Ken Cornell, he just wants to be like. tradition of Lee Pinkston. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. That was always the uh, thing that Lee Pinkston would come up with. Oh, I apologize. 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 You know, it's, uh, it's better than going really Saturday Night Live sometimes. Uh, but that's our that's our little deal. Uh, let me see if anybody's got any words of wisdom here. Um, <laughs> Uh, somebody says somebody hit a comment. Yeah, well, you know, we've got the intrusion all the time of Facebook and YouTube and those characters. Can you imagine? Uh, I tell people this story that uh, we're censored all the time by these little chat boys who are listening, I guess, over algorithms or something. I'm flattered they're listening to the content of the show. And maybe they'll learn something. I mean, it's just a class. I mean, these guys, these kids probably cheated their th- way through school. So um, running these little algorithms and stuff. Right? They even went. You know, and so they're kind of freaky people. You know, they don't have a well-rounded kind of uh, education. They're just all about involved with uh, playing video games, I guess, to start with. That's what gets them involved. Um, anyway, that's our wrap on uh, right now for the time being on this, this co- complete um, a farce of a um, of, of rebuttal by Cornell. on, um, And I'm, I'm picking on him because he allowed me to. He stuck his head out and wrote this blistering long you know, piece of wisdom uh, that, uh, you know, unfortunately has very little wisdom at all in it and it's not very genuine. Um, so I, I, I suggest that you go back also, as I say, and look at the primaries and see what happens in the primaries. Uh, there is no way to ever have an open primary here. Both parties do it. Uh, here in this county is primarily done by the Democrat Party. They make sure the primaries are closed and um, you know, they 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 uh, they don't want anybody in there who doesn't play the game according to their rules. So um, uh, the, the uh, by the way, I want to I want to <laughs> I want to follow up on something here. Let me dig it out of my midnight auto yard. I've been intrigued by this. Um, the swimmer who was a man who's now a woman. Uh, let me see if I can find that for you real quickly. Um, it's it's. Um, She's just absolutely beating the head. Here we go. Just beating the snot out of the girls. Um, and I, I, I got so much reply from you all after I uh, mentioned this the other day. This is a transgender swimmer. Um, Leah Thomas, who is a biological male. In other words, as Sue Baird says, 
look down and see what you got. That's what you are. So Leah Thomas, a biological male, has been crushing women's records and will likely, this is according to Breibart and Paul Boas, uh, take home the title at the NCAA championships in March. Um, prior to joining Penn women's swim team, Leah competed for the men's team for three seasons, as we said the other day, as Will Thomas. Um, at the Akron Zippy Invitational Tournament, swim tournament over the weekend, Thomas won 1,650 by whopping 38 seconds over his teammates, setting pen records along with meet and pool records. Um, in the 500 free on Friday night, Thomas won the race by 12 seconds and won the 200 free by seven seconds. Now, while Thomas set pin records, he did not beat the current NCAA women's swimming records in the same events. The Olympic gold medalist, Missy Franklin, 200 free. The Olympic gold medalist, Katie Leckety, 500 free and 1650 free. So um, according to the Daily Mail, the winning result also meets the National Collegiate Athletic Association standard uh, required to qualify, which means Thomas will automatically be entered to compete in the national championships in Atlanta next March. Um, so there you are. The process of coming out, he says, as being trans and continuing to swim was a lot of uncertainty and unknown around an area that's usually really solid. Realizing I was trans threw that into question. Um, oh boy, anyway, there it is. Um, and, you know, here, here he is. He's, uh, they got pictures of him. Um, um, and this is, this is the, the NCAA Board of Governors firmly and unequivocally supports the opportunity. Get this now, friends. This is education for transgender student athletes, student athletes to compete in college sports. Um, here you go. This is how, listen, this is how it's, a, let, let me listen to, listen to the code words. Let me read it again. The NCAA Board of Governors firmly and unequivocally supports the opportunity for transgender student athletes to compete in college sports. This commitment, here we go, is grounded in our values of inclusion and fair competition. Fair competition, the NAACP, uh, NCAA. I almost said the NAACP. I guess it's the same thing. No, no. What they had to go through. Now, this is the technical thing. He had to go through testosterone, testosterone, testosterone suppression treatment, testosterone suppression treatment in order to compete in women's sports. There you go. Inclusion and fairness can coexist. For all students, this is the NCAA, for all student athletes, including transgender athletes at all levels of the sport. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I tell you, my friends. I tell you, my friends. I tell you, my friends. I got to take a sip of something on that one. That one really is. I can't. 
Uh, you talk about politics corrupting life. Uh, you know, it corrupts good people. As good people, I, I think Ken Cornell's a good guy. Don't get me wrong. And he's a good person. He's a very, you know, he's always been good to me. Well, not always. He, he After a while, he figured it was better to be good to me than not be good to me. But I think most of the people are good people. They're just horribly limited uh, in their in their vision and understanding of, of, you know, what it takes to, in my humble opinion, be fair to people. Now, I guess it, 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 I guess the NCAA is trying to be fair, is it not? You got one guy, Leah Thomas, who was Will Thomas, and in order to be fair, you do what? Well, you ruin it for all the women. I guess. I mean, isn't that what we have here? I mean, I got an article here, too. I got to pull out the midnight audio. Hang on. Hang on here, friends. If I can find it. I've got so much of this stuff. Um, oh, boy, there's a great one. If I get to it. I don't know if I'll get to this. Let me pile. Let me pull all this junk out of here a minute and see if I got it. It's uh, I got so much stuff that, you know, I just it's my mind is filled with. Well, I may not be able to pull it up in time to keep you interested here on the live. I'll get it. I'll maybe get it tomorrow. It's all about bias towards um, Asians in education. Now, the big bias toward Asians, you know, they're tearing up the education system. So let's exclude them. And who do we replace them with? We replace them with. Uh, blacks. So there you are. Um, I may find that in a minute. Let me talk about Jason Riley, who is just a prince of a brain, you know, a prince of a brain. And uh, I'll maybe get to that other thing in a minute if I could find it. I don't know if I'll find it in time. But uh, he's written an article. That I always read Jason Riley. If you haven't read Jason Riley and Victor Davis Hanson and these people, um, you need you need to find them and, and pay attention to them in my humble opinion. But uh, uh, he's written an article, The Predictable Consequences of Defund the Police. Now, that's some big liberal deal where supposedly, you know, back to, to the fairness, I guess. So he's taken a look at the effects of defund the police. Um. And he's chronicle, he's, he's got a good brain, so he writes about it very, very clearly. He says that murder, now since we've gone through this spasm of defund the police, has risen by nearly 30% over the last year. Um, and the Americans have said, hey, listen, we don't, we're not for this defund the police stuff. Uh, there's a ballot initiative in Minneapolis that would have dismantled the police department. It was defeated soundly. Um, some of the strongest opposition, ironically, about defunding the cops is coming from the low-income black communities. Um, that's, listen, I mean, they can't sleep at night. Um, and so they say black lives need to be valued, not just when unjustly taken by the police, but when we're alive and demanding a right to be heard, all that kind of good jazz. So um, uh, bail reform. Um, I don't know how many times you've contacted me and said, my golly, the guy is out on bail already. Uh, yes, I can tell you that that's where we are right now. It's almost impossible to keep somebody in the jug. Um, 
they're not, you know, they're not really guilty. It's a society that's guilty that single them out as criminals, that sort of thing. Um, so this has resulted in, uh, you know, the guy in the SUV in the Christmas parade where he ran over the dancing grannies, killing six. He was released five days earlier on a thousand dollar bail in another violent felony case. Uh, there was a man charged last week, according to Riley, in the fatal shooting of a music producer's 81 year old wife in her Beverly Hills, California home. I remember that. I remember that very well. It was shocking. Um, and he, the guy who killed her was a career criminal who was out on parole, a career criminal out on parole. Um, the suspect in the stabbing death of a uh, university, uh, uh, Loyola University graduate student last week is a convicted felon and a gang member. And he's been arrested 11 times since 2012. Boy, Riley's really got it all down here. Um, carjackings have become so commonplace in Washington that the local ABC affiliate is now offering viewers tips on how to protect themselves. Um, Chicago and California have effectively decriminalized retail theft by raising the threshold for felony shoplifting. So now we see a rise in smash and grab robberies and store closures. You know, this is the, this is the liberal left. And, and um, Biden says nothing, of course. He wants that base. Uh, there were 11 uh, smash and grab robberies in Los Angeles between November 18 and November 28 alone. And that was a result in about $340,000 worth of stolen goods. Now, there were 14 people arrested. Uh, all of the suspects were taken into custody, but they're now out, right? Why are they out? Zero bail policy for misdemeanors and low level felonies. <coughs> Did you hear that? Zero bail for misdemeanors and low, what is a low level felony? Amazing. Now, you know, George Floyd started all this crap, you know, brought it to a head. So following his demise, um, in New York, for example, school safety officers are being phased out. And when they were, 38 weapons were recovered over a three-day period from a high school campus in Brooklyn earlier this month. Take away the school safety officers and all of a sudden the guns come back. The Los Angeles Unified School District, which is the nation's largest after New York, uh, it pared down its school officers by about 40%. And um, resultingly, in, uh, there were 108 assaults that took place between August and October of this year with 16 students requiring hospitalization. And when the cops finally did get involved, there were 44 weapons recovered, including five handguns and 32 knives. Huh? Huh? Hey, and furthermore, there's students who are going to school trying to learn and worried about getting beat up. And this is really exasperating a racial achievement gap. See, they're so stupid, they can't put two and two together. You know, this is not hurting 
hey, the, the good parents are just pull their kids out of those schools, put them in charter schools. The ones you're trying to improve are getting worse. And the liberals don't have a clue. They have put their social justice activism, according to Riley, ahead of basic public safety. Because they have, let's, let's, let's call it like it is, because the liberal white left has indulged in, say after me, Black Lives Matter activism. Black Lives Matter activism. According to Jason Riley. Therefore, the cities are having trouble retaining and recruiting cops. The early retirements have increased. The jobs become more dangerous. Attacks on the cops have risen. The FBI reported that the number of cops killed in the line of duty between January and September was up by more than 50% over the same period in 2020. And Riley concludes this, this is statement, by pretending that the police are a bigger threat to society than the criminals. Progressive policies are making the country demonstrably less safe than it's been in decades. Huh? Tell me about it, my friends. Tell me about it. Tell me about it, huh? Let me look and see if you got any comments. I don't know. I don't know what to complete. Well, I got about five minutes here. I guess I'll. I guess I'll. I'll finish up with COVID. You know, COVID is never going to go away as a topic for discussion. Looks like. And um. I've been thinking this was going to be the case all along, and now there's a big, thorough article by Alicia Finley in the journal that says exactly what I thought was going to be the case. This uh, 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 mRNA technology, you know, which everybody who is reluctant, well, all the people I know who are reluctant to take it say, "Oh, oh, oh, I don't know, you know. Oh my, I don't know. Uh, oh no, they haven't tested it. I, I'm scared. I mean, I, I, I better wait for 50 years to see if it's going to make a three-headed bullet grow out of my arm. Well, the untold story is just as follows. It is the vast promise of mRNA technology that may cure cancer. Now, so I have a question I want to ask those people who are reluctant to take the mRNA vaccine or COVID. If medical science came to you and you had had, you have cancer, let's just have an awful scenario. You have cancer, which heretofore is terminal it's uncurable in some form of one of the really deadly disease forms of cancer. And the scientists come to you and say, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, we have a vaccine developed by mRNA 
technology, which will give you a 96% chance, which is what it is for COVID, 96% chance of curing your incurable cancer. Do you want the vaccine? Get ready for the rocket ride because that's going to become the norm. Okay? That is going to become the vaccine hope for not just COVID, but all sorts of things that we haven't been able to touch heretofore. Reprogramming, reprogramming human adult stem cells. This is on the cutting edge and an approach we've never had before. It is a medical treatment that codes the proteins, as I understand it, and develops an immunotherapy, immunotherapy that has not just been produced in the recent months for COVID, but it's been under research in the laboratories for a long, long time. COVID sped up that research. <clears throat> so <clears throat> uh, biotech is a cutting edge field. I am proud of the fact that I was instrumental in bringing a biotech school to Alachua to prepare our young people to go into research, to have a whole new way of thinking <coughs> about disease and immunologies and vaccines. What is looking as if right now that the mRNA generates a stronger immune response than inactivated viruses. And some of the things that we're working on is HIV, uh, respiratory cynical virus, uh, uh, even the flu, and most certainly cancer. Um, so there's been a lot of work done on this for a long, long time. The main focus right now of the M uh, RNA is cancer. There are 21 mRNA products in the clinical pipeline that are being tested using 11 different approaches to killing cancer cells. The patient is injected with MNRA that codes for neoantigens on the tumor, which turbocharges the immune system to attack it. BioNTech has already begun phase two trials for personalized melanoma and colon cancer therapies with initial results expected next year. It's also working on using mRNA to prevent relapses by inducing T cells to patrol throughout the body and kill hidden cancer cells that metastasize. 
Venture capitalists, my friends, are pouring money into mRNA startups and betting that this is the future in medicine. But it came to me because I have friends and you have friends and you may be one of the people who's sitting out there saying, oh, I just can't touch this stuff. You know, it's just uh, not proven. Well, would you do it? Would you do it? Would you not do it? If it would cure cancer, would you say the same thing? Some people probably would. Well, have a great day. Um, maybe we can fade out one more time. Let's rub the let's rub the wound, uh, Evan, and we'll fade out to the thin-skinned water boy, Ken Carnell. Have a great day, and I'll listen to it with you, and then we'll sign off. Here we go. Ken Cornell, known as the thin-skinned water boy. Ken Cornell, known as Minnie Mike. Ken Cornell, wears elevator shoes. Ken Cornell, he just wants to be like.